Credits. The part of Eleanor Taylor was read by Priyanka Ayer. The part of Ray Taylor was read by Patrick O'Connell. The parts of Mac, Fuzzy, Manager, Ed Jessup, Deacon, Smiley, and Upfront Soldier One were read by Tyler Maxey. The parts of Mrs. Riley and Helen Ham were read by Ava Smith. The parts of Lucy, the Bridesmaid, Sally, and Jeanette were read by Jamie Fetter. The part of Doris was read by Erica Eversley. The parts of James, Millie, and the Nurse were read by Carly Devan. The parts of Floyd Mays, Mr. Cotton, and Dr. Bragg were read by Ron Ferguson. Music by Brian Wedderburn. Special thanks to Matt Rubinsky and Peter Hagen at Hagen's Recording Studio in Princeton, New Jersey, for all of their input and hard work. After You've Gone, written by Joy Taylor and Paul Russell Smith, based on a true story. Fade in, interior kitchen, early morning. Moonlight casts a blue wash over a farmhouse table. A glowing lump in the coal stove is struggling to stay hot. Match strike, close and hot. The blue tip explodes in yellow sulfur, settles down into the burning of the wood. A pair of battered hands holds the match to an oily gas lamp. With a poof, the cotton wick catches. Ray Taylor, 35, comes into view. As the light comes up, it's clear that Ray is a rugged sort of man's man, flannel shirt rolled to the massive forearms, a thick head of dark hair, and three days' worth of whiskers. Ray warms his tough, cracked hands over the gas lamp for a minute. He turns to the coal stove. Ray pulls the door of the stove open. He shovels a load of rock into the opening and closes it again. The kitchen is small and orderly. Ray moves to the sink and refills the kettle. He drops it on top of the coal stove. Cut to same scene moments later. Still dark in the kitchen, Ray finishes cooking ham and eggs at the stove. He slides them onto a plate and flips the toast carrier over the burner. He pops the toast over to the plate and sits. Alone in the glow of the lamp, a black lab enters the kitchen. He sits at Ray's feet. This is slim. Ray gives him a piece of toast, pats his head. Exterior farmhouse, early morning. Ray exits the house. It's a beautiful rambler, clean, very well maintained. Come on, Slim. The lab pushes the screen door open and rolls to the porch. Ray crosses the path to a paddock and lifts the fence block. A stable sits inside the paddock. Horses whinny from within. They know he's coming. All right, all right. Take it easy. I'm coming. Interior, stable, continuous. Ray strokes the horse's muzzle. Two of them, chestnut mares. He slides feed bags into place on each. Exterior, paddock, morning. Sunlight scatters through the trees. Ray exits the barn, riding atop one of the mares. The other is tethered in his hand. Autumn foliage against the rising sun. Breath from both the horses and Ray hangs in the air. Ray rides through the fence. Whoa, girl. His mare stops and Ray swings her sideways to close the gate. He clicks his teeth and the mare turns to the drive. Ray guides the horses to the road as Slim brings up the rear. Superimposed title, Missouri, 1925. Exterior, road, continuous. Ray sits up in the saddle as the horses round the bend. A small group of kids, ages 7 to 18, walk on the side of the road, school books over their shoulders. As Ray nears, he notices the oldest. She's 18, dark flowing hair tied back in a simple ribbon and almond eyes. Her skin has the patina of burnished gold. This is Eleanor. She holds the hand of the youngest child with one hand. She picks the autumn wildflowers with her free hand. She looks down and away as Ray pulls up. Morning, all. Morning, sir. Can I give you a lift up the road? Eleanor raises her head. She locks eyes with Ray. No. Thank you, sir. You sure? Long walk to school. We're used to it. Thank you. Next time, maybe. Ray nods. He pushes the horses onward. Exterior, Mississippi River, Cottonwood Point, morning. Ten to fifteen people stand beside what looks like a long wooden barge. Ray appears on the road with the horses. He rides past the people. Morning, folks. Morning, Morning, Ray. Ray rides the horses straight onto the barge. 
He dismounts the mare and guides her onto a platform covered in canvas. He tethers her there and then does the same with the other horse on the opposite side of the barge. Come on, everybody. Let's get this old gal across. The people file aboard. One by one, they drop coins into a box near the helm. Total honor system here. The full glory of the great river comes into view. Fishing boats are already working. Great paddle wheelers send coal smoke into the sky. Barges full of goods steam north and south. It's busy. Ray pulls the lines off the dock. He uncovers each food trough and slaps the horses on the rump. Giddy up. The horse starts to walk. The canvas rolls beneath their hooves. On the side of the boat, two large wheels begin to turn, propelling the barge forward in the big muddy. And the Mississippi ferry boat is underway. Ray steers from the helm. He watches as the shallow rocks pass by. Clear the shoals. The passengers begin to move about the barge. Mrs. Riley, late 50s, approaches Ray. Good morning, Mr. Taylor. Good morning, Mrs. Riley. I wanted to let you know my daughter is coming home from Chicago for Thanksgiving. Is that so? It is. She's a wonderful girl. I'm sure she is. Perhaps you'd like to come by and meet her. Have Thanksgiving with us? That's a kind offer, Mrs. Riley. Really, it is. And I think I might just take you up on that. Really? I might. Are you going to make your pecan pie? Of course. That sweetens the offer now. You don't mind if I think on it some, yeah? Oh, not at all. I'm not much of a planner is all. Well, you let me know as we get closer, all right? Yes, ma'am. I surely will. Michael Mackham, 40, is listening a few feet away. He's burly, to say the least, with a thick handlebar mustache, suspenders straining over his wool Henley shirt. As Mrs. Riley staggers off, Mac beams at Ray. It's a really big smile. What are you grinning about? Mac steps closer to the helm. Who are you kidding? You're no sooner going to her house for Thanksgiving than you are to the moon. Ray grunts. A barge steams past from the south, and Ray has to cut the wheel hard. Damn, Yahoo. Of course I know that. No point in being rude. I suppose. She ain't never marrying off that daughter of hers. You seen her? Yeah, I seen her. Damn, Mac. Ain't you cold? Nah, I never get cold. That's a mental thing. If you say so. Hey, there's a game tomorrow night in Fuzzy's Shanty. You going? I might be. You'd best stay out of it, though. Like hell. Mac, you've got nothing to play with. You don't know what I got. I took it all from you last time we played. That's why I need to get back in the game. Better not let Helen find out about it. I got a few bucks stashed aside. Few bucks ain't gonna cut it with Fuzzy's crowd. You need what they call working capital to throw down with that bunch. I got something to play with. Better be worth a lot of money. It's better than money. Brother, ain't nothing better than money. Ray slaps the horses into a canter and the ferryboat cruises through the strong current. Exterior, Riverside Shanty, night. Ray drives up in a Ford Model T stake bed truck. Emblazoned across the side in cream letters are the words Ray Taylor, and a single word below that, Ferryman. He parks the truck well away from a group of broken-down jalopies. He hops out of the truck. Interior shanty, continuous. The door to the tin shack swings wide. The five men huddled over a makeshift table of crates and an old door turn to see Ray standing in the doorway. The men are Fuzzy Thompson, 30, a hulking mass of a human being topped off with a perfectly shiny bald head. It's his shanty, his sawmill, and his game. Lester Heat, 32, the tiny ferret-faced creature in the corner. You wouldn't trust him with the church collection. Jimmy Mays, 26, the kid of the group, clean-shaven and freckle-faced, still in his mechanics overalls, eager to play and learn. Dave Barker, 30, local butcher and slaughterhouse owner. He's almost as wealthy as Ray, but a lousy poker player. He's the guy you want in your game. And we already know Mac. He rises from the table and adjusts the oil lamp. All of these faces brighten in the orange flame. See, I told you he would come. Ray gives Mac a quick look of disdain as he closes the door. Fuzzy rises to greet him. Hello, Ray. Fuzzy, thanks for the invite. Don't mention it. It's a little early for us to start, but we know you don't like to keep late hours. 
Ray removes his coat. Sounds like you're throwing this game special for me. Makes me a little nervous. Some nervous laughter among the men. Yeah, well, just the same. We weren't sure you were coming, so we brought in a fifth anyway. Ray nods at him. Have a seat. You remember all the fellows, right? Ray shakes hands and addresses each of them by their first name. Then he gets to Lester. Lord almighty, Lester Heat. How'd they let you in on this game? You still owe me money from two years ago. Lester cowers in the corner, awkward, not knowing what to say. He's our stand-in for you, Ray. Last-minute recruit, yeah? Ray nods good-naturedly. Don't worry yourself, Lester. I'm not coming after your house. I live with my mother. Now, that might be a different story. And all the guys laugh. All right. Let's get down to it. Lester, get up. Let a player in. Lester throws his cards down and moves out of the way. Ray takes a seat. Same scene later, a bottle of whiskey in the middle of the table, practically empty. Ray has piles of chips in front of him. The only one close to his winnings is Dave, and he's not even close. I'm out. Jimmy throws his cards into the middle of the table as well. Disgusted, he grabs the bottle. All eyes are on Mac. Not much in front of him at all. He blows out hard and folds. Ray shakes his head. Me and you, Dave. Again. Dave nods. It's your call. Dave throws in a handful of chips to match. Call. What do you got? Dave lays out his hand. Three-eighths. Ray nods. Drops his cards. Two pair. Dave pulls in the pot. Ray picks up the cards to deal. Last hand for me, fellas. It's getting late. Good thing. I'm down to my ride anyways. Mac fumbles with his few remaining chips. Maybe you ought to sit this one out, Mac, yeah? Mac glares at Ray. Nah, I'm making a comeback. You just keep that seat warm for Lester over there. When you're gone, I'll just take whatever he's got. That won't be much, Mac. Some laughter, but Ray's serious. He holds off on dealing the cards. Mac, your wife ain't... Just don't worry about my wife, Ray. I know what I'm doing. Okay. Ray deals the cards. Five, stud. Mac lifts his hand. He can't help but smile. That's to you, Dave. Dave throws in a small handful of chips. The rest follow. Mac is a little too quick to ante up. Ray shoots him a glare. Better hope nobody raises, Mac. Mac laughs. <laughs> hope they do. Dave calls for two cards. Ray delivers. Fuzzy calls for three. Ray delivers. Jimmy calls for three. Ray delivers. Now it's to Mac. Mac? Mac looks up from his cards. Cards? Mac shakes his head. None. No cards. You sure? Mac nods. Ray turns in one for himself. Mac sees this. His eyes widen a bit. Dave throws in a small stack of chips. Fuzzy goes in. Jimmy folds. Mac goes in. Ray goes in. And I raise ten bucks. He throws in a stack of blues. Dave goes in. Call. Fuzzy folds. All eyes on Mac. He has no chips in front of him. You gotta fold, Mac. Sorry. The blood runs out of Mac's face. He reaches into his chest pocket. He pulls out a picture. And he throws it into the pot. Call. The photo of a beautiful raven-haired girl hits the pile of chips. It's Eleanor, the same girl who was walking with the kids to school. What the hell is this? That's my bet. You can't bet a human being, Mac. Why not? She's my daughter. Ray lifts the picture. This girl is your daughter? Mac nods, frustrated. He has to explain himself. Her mother was one of those engines from the trading post. I strayed a long time ago. Mouths are hanging open. Go on. Her mother died of the dropsy a few years back. She had a thing for the bottle. Anyway, Helen and I took care of her. She helps out with the chores and taking care of the house. Her time has come. She needs to be married. Well, that's just ridiculous, Mac. I mean, I'm already married. Fuzzy, I don't know what his story is. You can't pet your kid, Mac. It's my decision to make. You can't. On Ray, eyeing up that picture on the pile. Those eyes, that hair. Let me back in the game. Forget it. He can't. Let him bet. Everything goes quiet. What? 
Let him play her if he wants to. It's his daughter, and she's 18. She's old enough to make up her own mind. But Ray, you can't bet a person. It just ain't right. All eyes on Ray now. Let him play her. But what am I going to do with her if I win, Ray? You're not going to win, Dave. Near as I can see, this is between Ray and me. Ray has his eyes glued on Mac. Consider her played. But I'll tell you this, Mac. If you call, if you really call the bet, you better have one hell of a hand. Mac stares into Ray's eyes. You got one more chance to back out. The silence is intense. Call. Lay him down. Mac lays out a straight, jack high. He smiles at Ray. He's got a straight. I'll be go to hell that some bitch was dealt a straight. All eyes on Ray. He lays down four of clubs, five of clubs, six of clubs, seven of clubs. My God. One card left in his hand. Ray throws it onto the pile, where it flutters down, toppling through the air before landing right next to the photo of Eleanor. Eight of clubs. Jesus, a straight flush. Mac's face falls. All is lost for this guy. These guys are going nuts, laughter and catcalls banging off the tin walls. Ray puts his hand on Mac's shoulder. You okay? Mac just stares at him, close to tears. Exterior, shanty, night. Ray exits. Mac follows, pulling on his coat. Ray stops and watches him. What are you thinking about? I'm thinking about winning, Ray. For once in my life, I'm thinking I'm going to be the one to rake in that pot. Straight flush. Now what am I supposed to do? Ray opens the door to his truck. About what? About the girl, Ray. Thought it was a lock. What am I supposed to tell Helen? Why would Helen care? It's just one less mouth to feed. You don't understand. Helen's a good, God-fearing woman. This won't sit with her. Besides, she's grown attached to Eleanor. She might as well be one of her own. Should have thought about that before you pulled her picture from your pocket. Yeah. Sure, I'll just tell her. Helen? Interior, bedroom, continuous. Helen, 36, stands before her husband, her hand to her mouth in shock. She's salt of the earth strong in that very Midwest way. You did what? I gambled Eleanor. Her hand in marriage, I mean, last night. And you lost? I did. I don't know where to begin. I I don't know what I can even say to you right now. She's my daughter. Helen slaps her husband across the face. She's our daughter. And her time has come to an end, Helen. She's 18 and a half-breed at that. You You think I want her sitting around this place with you for the next 20 years? Another mouth to feed? An old maid? Michael, I'm just so disgusted. Eleanor appears in the hallway beyond the door. I lost her fair and square. To whom? To what rabble will I cast this poor girl into the world with, Michael? Ray Taylor. Helen stops short. Ray Taylor? That's right. Michael, Raymond Taylor is our age. That's right, and he'll make a fine husband for her, too. Ray's a damn hard worker, and he does well for himself. Hell, she'll be taking care of us someday. I wouldn't count on that. Well, it's done, and what's done... It's done. They both stare at Eleanor. Helen starts to cry. She moves to the girl and hugs her. But Eleanor can't take her eyes off her father. He scratches his head and looks away. I won't be a burden on you any longer, father. Helen pulls back from Eleanor. My dear girl, you have never been a burden on us. Eleanor smiles wanly at Helen. She shifts her gaze back to Mac. Will there be a meeting? He's coming tomorrow for lunch. So I'll be leaving tomorrow as well. No, if he takes a shine to you, you'll be married here in a week's time. Eleanor nods. I'll go tell the children. Eleanor. She turns back. Please don't tell them how this happened. Eleanor nods. No, you're not going to breathe a word of this to the children. Eleanor nods at Helen. Helen turns to look at Mac. Because I want you to tell them everything. Helen. I want them to know exactly why their sister is leaving us. Every single word, Michael. Do I make myself clear? 
Mac nods. This is his penance. Exterior ham house, day. Ray pulls up in the truck. A few of Mac's kids are trying to tidy up the front lawn. But it's not much use. Old machinery and steel barrels sit hulking in the tall weeds. The paint is scaling off the clabbards, and the front porch is badly sagging. Ray steps out of the truck, dressed in a suit and tie. His hair combed as well as it can be. Ray catches his ghostly image in the glass of the truck window. He licks his palm and tries to tame his cowlick. He pulls a bunch of hand-picked flowers off of the front seat as Helen steps out onto the porch. She wipes flour away on her apron. Ray steps around the side of the truck. Good afternoon, Raymond. Helen. Ray scoots through the kids. One of them grabs his leg and holds on for dear life. This is James, six. Please don't take my sister away. Ray is a little flustered. He stoops down to the boy. Uh, no, it's not like that. You, you see... Max steps out onto the porch. James, let go of the man. What'd I tell you before? James lets go of Ray's leg. Ray climbs the steps. He stands in front of Helen. Those are lovely. Reckon I should have brought two of them. It's awkward. Ray looks at the bouquet. He grabs half of the flowers and pulls them from the newspaper cone. He hands that half to Helen. She takes them, laughing. Oh, Ray. Better than nothing. Behind Helen, the screen door slams. Eleanor steps out, in a beautiful, simple white dress. She practically glows. Ray looks away. Then he straightens and looks directly into her eyes. Mr. Taylor? Yes, Miss Eleanor. These are for you. Ray hands Eleanor the flowers. She looks at them. Autumn wildflowers. She smiles. I know where these came from. Ray nods at her. Thank you, Mr. Taylor. Won't you come in? Ray looks to Helen and Mac for approval. Yeah, let's eat. Eleanor is a terrific cook. I'm going to miss that. Ray looks away, again, uncomfortable. Interior dining room day. The entire family is around the table. It's anything but quiet. These kids like to talk. At the moment, James has the floor. And I had a catfish on my line that was as big as this table. Hold on there, boy. I did. You, you can ask Tommy. Tommy, 12, sits across the table drinking his milk. He shakes his head no. Yeah, there, see? What'd I tell you about all them tall tales you spin? It's my story, Papa. Can I tell it the way I want? Everyone around the table laughs. Max shakes his head. The problem is, Pally, that someday you might just catch a catfish that big. And if people all along think you got a taste for telling tall tales, they won't believe you when the real thing happens. But I like making things up. I got the next Mark Twain over here. Nothing wrong with that. Do you like Mr. Twain's books, Mr. Taylor? Please, call me Ray. And yes, I do. Very much so. Tommy reads them to us at night. I'm sure that's where James gets his ideas from. Do you read, Miss Eleanor? She doesn't know how to react. She looks to Mac. Schooling wasn't at the top of the priority list where Eleanor came from. By the time she came to us, we figured, well, too much time had passed. Ray nods. Perhaps we can change all that. Eleanor smiles, demure. She wants to learn. That's up to you. I got no say in what that one does anymore. Exterior, porch, night. It's quiet. Ray sits alone, finishing up a piece of pie. Eleanor steps out on the porch, holding a cup of coffee. She hands it to him. Ray takes the cup and places the empty plate on the wicker table. Thank you. That pie was terrific. Thank you. Please, sit. Eleanor sits. She pulls her arms around her in the chilly night air. Ray sees this. He lifts his coat from the arm of the bench and drapes it over her. Her eyes go wide a bit. Thank you. She turns her head slightly and smells the fabric. Ray watches as she closes her eyes for a moment. In this moment, she's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. He soaks it in, watching her. She opens her eyes. I'm sorry. Don't be. He sets the coffee cup down. I should go now. Ray stands. Eleanor rises as well. Thank you for coming to dinner, Mr. Ray. Ray, I hope you enjoyed everything. She reaches out to shake his hand. He takes her hand and softly kisses the back of it. I did. Please give your mother and father my regards. 
Ray steps off the porch. He crosses to his truck and gets in. He takes one last look back at Eleanor sitting on the porch. They lock eyes for a moment. Ray nods at her, fires up the engine, and pulls away. Exterior, ham house, day. Flowers everywhere. The kids are outside in their finest suits and dresses. James already has his coat off. He's got dirt on his white shirt. Mac looks him over as he tends his copper still in the detached garage. I thought you might have made it to the eats before you got so filthy, James. I tried, Papa. Mm-hmm. Mac pulls a bottle of moonshine from beneath the drip pipe. He pulls the jugs to his lips and takes a drink. Oh, that's a moneymaker. Mac looks to the side of the house. Ray appears in a morning coat, dressed for a wedding. Mac crosses to him. I'm glad you made it. She's still here, right? She's upstairs. Ray goes to move, but Mac grabs him by the arm. You can't see her before the wedding, you know that. It's bad luck. I have to, Mac. It's important. Don't tell me you're getting cold feet. Ray glares at Mac and disappears into the house. I got ten pounds of deviled ham. Interior house, continuous. The house is teeming with guests, all talking at once to create a huge din. Ray pushes through them all. Some grab him and congratulate him. Some pound him on the back. He doesn't even know these people. He's beyond bewildered. Cut to the stairs, same time. Ray finally breaks free from the crowd. He straightens his coat and takes a deep breath. Lord Almighty. He climbs the stairs. A few bridesmaids stand in the hall next to the open door to the bedroom. One of them spots Ray coming. Hey, you can't come up here. She's dressing. I need to speak with her. But it's bad luck. It's going to be worse if I don't talk to her. Eleanor. Commotion in the bedroom. Eleanor appears in the doorway, giggling. (laughs) What is it? She sees Ray. He looks fine. She's only in a slip. She does her best to cover herself. She's flustered, blushing. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me put something on. No, you're fine like that. I need to talk to you. Eleanor looks to the other girls. The bridesmaid crosses her arms. Go ahead, but I don't like it. Interior, Mac and Helen's bedroom, day. Ray sits on the edge of the bed. Eleanor joins him. Look, I was up all night thinking on this. Thinking on what? This whole marriage thing. Yes? Yeah, and see, the thing is, this just ain't right. Eleanor's face falls. You can't win your wife in a poker game. It's just not natural. It certainly isn't Christian. I don't understand. Ray stands. A man's wife shouldn't come to him like that. It's, I don't know what the word is. Desperate, maybe? It's just doesn't seem fair to me. Silence hangs in the air. Eleanor turns and looks out the window. Birds nesting in the elm tree right outside the glass. Are you worried that it's not the right thing for me or for you? Ray turns to face her, her bronze skin in the dappled sunlight. For you. I was afraid at first. Change is always frightening, but when you came to dinner last Sunday, I knew. Knew what? Eleanor turns to face him, eye to eye. That God was stepping in. I think you beating my daddy at poker was the best thing that ever happened to me. She stands to face Ray, inches from his face. You're serious? Eleanor nods. You're a good man, Ray Taylor, and I would be honored to be your wife. Ray takes her hands. He's speechless. And I would be honored to be your husband. They stand there in the light, so close, a world of respect keeping their passion at bay. Exterior, backyard, moments later. The deacon murmurs the final words of the ceremony and the distance between Ray and Eleanor is closed forever. They are one. They kiss for the first time. And the crowd applauds. Helen weeps from the front row. Mac tips his glass of moonshine in the couple's direction. Cut to, same scene later. Guests are gathered around long tables. Fried chicken, deviled ham, ambrosia salad, steaming bowls of vegetables all passing around. Mac goes from guest to guest and fills their glasses from his jug. He's feeling no pain whatsoever. He comes to Ray and Eleanor. He goes to fill Ray's glass, but Ray stops him. Suit yourself. 
Hey, I meant to ask you, where are you taking my little girl on your honeymoon? This catches Ray off guard. He's slightly embarrassed. Eleanor notices. Jeez, I hadn't really thought about that. I don't think it's necessary. No honeymoon. That's the best part. Why get married otherwise? It all goes to hell after that. Ray looks to Helen. She's uncomfortable. That's enough, Michael. It's just that I can't shut the ferry down. People depend on that. I've never let anyone else operate it before. I don't need a honeymoon, really. Ray nods and smiles at her. The rest go about their conversation. We can spend a day in St. Louis. See the sights. As long as we're back by the next morning. I'd like that. I've never been to the city. I've only been a couple times. I get lost every time I go there. So don't expect much. I'll expect that we'll get lost together. Ray likes that. He smiles at her. Eleanor leans in close and kisses him on the cheek. Interior, Ray's house, bedroom, night. Ray sits on the edge of the bed. He undoes his tie, takes off his watch. A hunter's moon casts a bluish-white sheen over everything. Ray stands before the open window, curtains blowing in the cool fall breeze. The bathroom door opens. Candlelight mixes with the moonlight. Ray watches as the shadow of a woman, his woman, stretches across the pine flooring. Ray turns to the light. Eleanor stands in the doorframe in a mid-thigh nightgown, her hair soft around her shoulders, her hands folded in front of her. Good Lord. She smiles. She's nervous. So is he. Ray moves to Eleanor. He takes her by the hands, drinks her in for a moment. She leans in to kiss him, but he stops her. He says nothing. He just keeps on looking. Those eyes, that hair. It's so strange. She reaches out and touches his cheek. What is? I'm falling in love with my wife on our wedding night. And his voice breaks a little with this. She leans in and kisses him on the mouth, easy at first, tentative. And then he responds, a kiss of pure passion. He lays her softly on the bed, and the wind moans softly through the curtains. Exteriors, St. Louis Street, day. It's hot, even for October. Ray walks with Eleanor arm in arm. She laughs as they dodge the trolley cars passing by. A Model A lets out a goose honk of the horn. This city's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Cars going this way, trolleys going that. You need to have eyes in the back of your head. Music starts up the street. Ray cranes his head. A crowd is gathering. Horns, bass drum, a banjo picking, and a piano rolling on. Ray parts the crowd just far enough to see men in suits, women in short frilly dresses dancing in the streets. A Charleston contest just getting off the ground. He looks at Eleanor. She's completely enthralled by the women, the dresses, and the music. Look at that, Ray. Look at them play. In the center of it all is that big piano, like a musical elephant. And can this guy play? Eleanor watches as his fingers roll across the keys. The rest of the music fades away. All she can hear are those keys singled out, every note. Cut to exterior Woolworth's day. Eleanor sits on a bench outside the store. She fans herself. Wasn't that something, Ray? The dancing and that music. Guess that's what they're listening to in the big city these days. Listen, I'm going to run inside and grab us a couple of ice-cold Coca-Colas. Oh, I'd like that. Thank you. Ray enters the store. Eleanor watches the people walk by. A trolley car passes by. Once gone, Eleanor fixes her gaze on a small storefront across the street. Grand Street Music. Eleanor rises and carefully crosses the street. Interior, Grand Street music, continuous. Eleanor enters the store. A small bell above the door alerts the manager. Eleanor's eyes move across the instruments, the brass horns, the gleaming violins, the gorgeous rosewood guitars. May I help you, madam? Oh, no, thank you. I'm just... She sees an ebony baby grand piano in the window, like a beacon. Browsing. Really? Yes, sir. Feel free. Thank you. The manager moves away. Eleanor drifts through the store making her way to that piano. She finally gets there. She reaches out with her gloved hand and touches the black, shiny body. Her hand glides along the outer frame before resting on the white keys. 
Eleanor makes a small motion to push down a key. She hesitates, holds back. She backs away from the piano. She looks out the window to see Ray looking for her, cokes in hand. The manager is watching her. Eleanor turns, racks of sheet music behind her. She lifts a booklet, no song in particular. It's Gershwin, the man I love. The manager appears over her shoulder. Excellent choice. Do you play? No. The manager looks confused. But I'm fascinated by it. How much is this? Ten cents. Eleanor digs in her purse. She fishes out a dime and hands it to the manager. Outside the window, Ray is looking in. He sees Eleanor talking to the manager. Let me put that in a bag for you. I have to go. Thank you. Eleanor takes the sheet music and leaves the store. The manager watches as she joins Ray in the street. Ray looks over his shoulder at the store as they continue on the sidewalk. Thank you. Exterior, sidewalk, continuous. Ray takes Eleanor by the hand. What have you got there? Reluctantly, Eleanor shows him the sheet music. It was a whim. Ten cents, huh? Can you read music? No. I'm sorry, that was foolish of me. Ray leafs through the pages. No, not at all. Hey, you never know. Maybe it was the best ten cents you'll ever spend. Dissolved to interior farmhouse parlor day. Eleanor decorates a Christmas tree. Ray watches from the adjoining dining room. He has a cluster of paperwork spread out in front of him. Floyd Mays, 50, bald and bespectacled, pushes a paper in front of Ray for him to sign. Last one. But Ray has one eye on Eleanor. She steps up onto a footstool to hang an ornament high on the tree. Ray jumps up. No, 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 don't do that. Eleanor knows it's coming. I'm fine. Ray steadies her anyway. He takes the ornament from her and hangs it. He rubs her belly. She's glowing. Doc says you need to be careful. You do too much. Ray, I'm a foot off the ground. Go, buy your boat. Okay, but get off the stool, woman. No more heights. I mean it. Ray sits back down. Sorry about that, Floyd. Not at all. I remember it all too well. I should tell you, though, when Sheila was expecting our fourth, she was shingling the barn roof in her eighth month. Ray laughs. He signs the paper. (laughs) Can't say I'm surprised. He passes the paper back to Floyd, who looks it over. Congratulations, Ray. You own a steamer. And by way of that, you own the crossing. Uh, I don't know about that. Ed Jessup has a couple of fine boats up in Cairo. Tommy Shaw does well for himself down in Crothersville. Cairo's 90 miles away, Ray. You won't compete with him, and Mr. Shaw's a sloppy businessman at best. So, like I said, congratulations. Ray shakes his hand. Thanks, Floyd, for getting all this through for me. It's my job. Merry Christmas, Ray. Merry Christmas. Floyd crosses to the door. Good luck and God bless, Mrs. Taylor. If you need anything, don't hesitate to call on the missus. Thank you, Mr. Mays. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Floyd tips his hat. He opens the door to leave. Lucy Jackson is standing outside the door. A black woman in her early 50s, she wears a wool dress, glasses, and a stylish hat. She's sturdy and powerful, the image of a proud, God-fearing Southern Baptist. Floyd is startled to see her. Why, Mrs. Jackson, fancy seeing you here. Ray appears in the doors as Floyd exits. Mr. Mays? You out doing God's work on a Saturday? I do God's work every day, Mr. Mays. Floyd nods at her. He steps off the porch. Busy day at the Taylor home. And many more to come. Mrs. Jackson, please come in. Lucy enters the house. Eleanor peers around the corner. Eleanor, this is Lucy Jackson. She's going to help you with your reading and writing. Ray, I thought we agreed that I would work on that myself. We did, but I thought you could use some help. Lucy reaches out and shakes Eleanor's hand. Don't be nervous, dear. I've taught most of Cottonwood Point how to read and write. If you ladies will excuse me, I've got to get over to the dock. Start making room for that new boat. Ray grabs his coat from the hook. He kisses Eleanor on the cheek. Take care of my girl, Mrs. Jackson. 
Lucy nods. Ray leaves. The two of them are left in silence. Interior parlor day. Lucy sits on the sofa. Paper and flimsy textbooks are scattered about the cushions. Eleanor enters with a cup of tea. She hands it to Lucy. Thank you, dear. Eleanor sits. She nurses her own cup of tea. She's clearly uncomfortable. Lucy sees it. There's no need to be embarrassed, dear. Do you know how many people in this county can't read or write? Really? You'd be shocked. Not just farm folk, either. I know people in the highest places of authority who struggle to spell. Eleanor nods. So, let's get back to it. Dissolve to interior front hallway later. Lucy pulls her coat on. She hands a stack of printed materials to Eleanor. Your homework for next week is in there. Okay, I'll do my best. Eleanor takes the materials and places them on a nearby secretary. She lifts Lucy's hat and gloves from the same desk. Lucy sees the sheet music on the desk, now uncovered. Oh, Gershwin. Do you play piano, dear? I don't. I just picked that up in the city. All the little lines and dots intrigued me. Lucy thumbs through the pages, humming the tune. Music is a language entirely of its own. These little dots and lines are the alphabet. Do you know how to read music, Mrs. Jackson? Of course. I've been the organist for my church since time out of mind. Eleanor shuts the door. Mrs. Jackson, could you teach me? I'm here to teach you to read and write the English language, dear. Yes, I know. Anyway, you don't even have a piano. And a woman in your condition won't be leaving the house much, I'm afraid. That stings Eleanor, and Lucy sees it. Music would make for nice company. Lucy nods. She gets it. You know, it's just a thought. We have an old clavia at the church. It's belonged to a German immigrant. You're welcome to use it. What's a clavia? It's just a keyboard. No sound comes out of it. You hear the notes in your head. Could I really borrow it? I suppose. Look, I'll, I'll make a deal with you. For every chapter you learn to read in a book, I'll teach you a new chord on the piano. You do that for me? Lucy nods. We're going to see if anything I put in that head of yours stays put. Eleanor beams at Lucy. She opens the door and exits. Jazz music up and over. Montage scene. Interior parlor day. Lucy and Eleanor sit at the clavia. Lucy sings the notes as Eleanor hits the silent keys. She runs her fingers across the pages of the sheet music as Eleanor follows along. Exterior river day. Winter on the river. Ice flows drift past the L.E.T. as Ray navigates the water. The ferry is filled with paying customers. Canvas sides rolled down for warmth, threaten to tear away as the wind howls across the water. Interior farmhouse day. The snow is noticeably deep outside. Lucy trudges through the muck and the slush. She shakes off her umbrella as she lands at the foot of the porch steps. Eleanor stands at the edge of the porch. She's very pregnant. I didn't think you'd make it. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Interior parlor day. Lucy stands under Eleanor's shoulder as she works the keys of the clavia. Under the music, we can hear Lucy mirroring the notes. Angle on Ray, standing in the back of the adjoining dining room, watching in secret. A look of puzzled wonder fixed on his face. Match cut to interior bedroom night. Ray stands in the background. Wonder has turned to pure horror. Eleanor screams from their bed. Ray covers his mouth, terrified. Dr. Bragg is huddled between her legs. Lucy holds Eleanor's hand. One more push, darling. One more big push. Eleanor bears down. Ray winces. He turns to face the corner. Everything goes silent. Then, the smack of a hand on bare ass and a baby screams its blood-curling arrival. Ray, come meet your son. My son? Lucy takes the baby from the doctor. She wipes him down and places him on Eleanor's chest. Dripping with sweat and tears, she smiles big. Ray approaches gingerly. Come closer, Ray. He won't bite. He will at some point. They all do. Ray steps forward. He touches the baby's head, puts his finger in the baby's hand. The little grip tightens. Wow. He's got a heck of a grip. He's strong, like his daddy. Like his mama. 
Lord knows I couldn't go through what you just went through. What do we call him? Michael. I like that. Welcome to the world, Michael Taylor. Dissolved to interior parlor day, Lucy stands in the open room. She's holding Michael. Ray leads Eleanor down the stairs. His hands cover her eyes. Just a few more steps now. No peeking. Ray leads Eleanor through the front hall. She stands in front of the open parlor. Ray, this is ridiculous. What in the world are you up? Ray removes his hands from her eyes. Eleanor's mouth falls open and hangs there. An upright piano, battered and scarred, stands against the wall. Oh, my good lord. Raymond Taylor, what on earth have you done? You like it? It's... it's beautiful. I saw you looking at that big one in that store. Sheet music. My foot. (laughs) Why, next to that baby dumpling over there, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Eleanor approaches it. Her fingers hover over the keys. Go on. Hit them keys. Smiling, she presses down a high C. It rings out like a bell. Eleanor throws her head back, ecstatic. With her free hand, Lucy spreads out the sheet music. It'll be interesting to actually hear how you play. Eleanor sits on the bench. She takes a deep breath. And she stops short of playing. Flustered, she gets up. I... I can't. What's wrong? I'm afraid I'm just a little too self-conscious. I I just can't. I'm sorry. Besides, it's his feeding time. Eleanor disappears into the kitchen. Ray shakes his head, confused. That'll pass. Don't you worry about it, Ray. She's just a little overwhelmed. Exterior, farmhouse, day. Morning. Eleanor sits on the steps. She leafs through the study pages. The sound of a car coming up the driveway. Loud engine, backfiring. Eleanor watches as this battered hulk lurches to a stop. The running boards and tires are covered in mud. Lucy is in the passenger seat. She does her best to straighten her hat. She giggles. Then she sees Eleanor and tries to straighten up. Eleanor rises. There are three other women in the car. Lucy steps out of the creaking passenger door. She sways as her feet hit the ground. The driver gets out and rushes over to her. She's a little woozy herself. This is Millie Travers. Miss Taylor, uh, this is my chauffeur, Millie Travers. Pleased to meet you, Mrs. Taylor. And that one back there is Jeanette Fowler. Jeanette sticks her head out of the back window and waves. Hello. And Sleeping Beauty over there is Doris Hines. Doris is passed out cold, head against the window. Eleanor peers in at her, a half bottle of whiskey on the rear seat. Miss Lucy, have you been drinking? My dear, we've been playing all night. Playing what? You name it. That's right. Would you ladies like some coffee? Interior, kitchen, day. Lucy, Millie, and Jeanette are at the table, coffee cups in hand. Eleanor is at the stove scrambling eggs and frying them. They're laughing and chatting like a bunch of hens. Eleanor slides the eggs and the ham onto the ladies' plates. Piano notes ring out from the parlor. Eleanor goes straight as a pin. Interior, parlor, continuous. Eleanor sits. Doris is seated at the keys. She starts to play a bit of stardust on the lower octaves of the piano. She looks up at Eleanor, motions for her to sit next to her. Eleanor sits. Go on, girl. Play. But... Just play. Let go and play. Eleanor listens to the line that Doris is laying down. She picks up the melody, but the time is off. Doris is heavy on the second and fourth beat, hammering the keys there. I can't follow your rhythm. Don't want you to. Just go get lost. Eleanor stares at Doris, at her fingers. She lets go and falls into a groove on the higher end. And she is good. Natural. The other three ladies have filed in quietly. Doris looks at Lucy out of the corner of her eye. Lucy knows the look. So do the others. Doris is quietly blown away. One more run and Doris brings it back around for a close. Eleanor follows her lead and all is quiet. Don't let them eggs get cold now, ladies. Eleanor just stares at her. That was pure magic. I'm Doris. Doris Hines. Eleanor Taylor. Interior, parlor, day. 
Eleanor is a few years older now. Michael is almost three and an infant. Sally is lying in a bassinet. Eleanor is at the key, playing. She's incredible, Gershwin rolling off her fingertips, moments of jazz improv scattered throughout. She's intense and focused, yet extremely relaxed, as if the piano is playing her. Michael rolls a truck across the floor. Outside, it's pouring in torrents. Mama, can I go play in the rain? She says nothing. Mama? Michael stands. He goes to the front door and opens it. The ground is covered in water. It's up to the tread of the first step. Exterior, front yard, continuous. Michael descends the porch steps. He walks into the water. Interior, parlor, continuous. Eleanor is lost in the music. We see Michael through the tall window, pulling himself along the fence. This water has a current. Exterior, road, day. Ray pushes his horse through the water. It's lower here. The water is up to the middle of the horse's legs. Come on, girl. The farmhouse comes into view. Ray sees Michael pulling himself along the fence line. What in the hell? Interior, parlor, day. Ray storms in with Michael under his arm. Eleanor. The music stops. Eleanor closes the cover to the keys. Yes? Ray stands in the entrance, dripping wet, Michael under his arm. He was outside. Did you know that? I I didn't give him permission. Ray puts Michael down. Go on, Michael. Dry yourself off. Eleanor, do you have any idea what's going on out there? It's, It's raining. It's been raining for days. The river is rolling its banks. What are you talking about? Ray enters the room. He grabs her by the shoulders. The levees up north are most likely going to break. We need to figure out what we are going to do. Oh, my God. In a few hours, all of this might be underwater. Ray lets go of her shoulders. He rushes up the stairs. Interior, bedroom, continuous. Ray grabs a duffel bag from beneath the bed. He goes to his closet. He stops to look out at the farmland beyond the fence. A wave of muddy water is fast approaching, plowing down crops, taking orchard trees up by the roots. Oh, no. Interior, upstairs, hallway, same time. Ray rushes to the top of the stairs. Eleanor, get the baby up here, right now. Eleanor appears with the infant in her arms. Ray pushes past her. What is it? Water. Where's Michael? Ray looks down the staircase. He sees Michael standing near the door, water rushing over his small ankles. Michael starts to cry. Michael. Ray races down the stairs and grabs Michael. He drags him up the stairs. Water is pouring across the parlor and hallway floor. The back door bursts open. From the center of the staircase... Ray watches in horror as water engulfs everything in the house. Eleanor is looking out the window. She lowers her head. Don't look, Ray. Ray looks anyway. The pigs, the chickens, and their coop, all swept away. Oh, my God. We're we're safe up here, aren't we? This is going to get worse before it gets better. Ray watches as a shed collapses against the weight of the water piling up on its side. There's only one place we'll be safe. Exterior road, day. You couldn't really call it a road. It's now a shallow part of the Mississippi. Ray is chest deep in the water. Eleanor is on the back of the horse. She has baby Sally in a burlap sack strapped to her back. Michael rides in front of her. Ray is struggling to control the horse. The animal is desperately trying to find its footing beneath the water. It keeps floating up. It takes every ounce of strength for Ray to rein in the horse. He slips and disappears beneath the brown water. Ray! He surfaces, sputtering. This is crazy, Ray. We'll never make it there. We should go back to the house. It's a one-way trip now. There's no turning back. Cut to the boatyard. Continuous. The horse is swimming now. Ray fights to hold on. We see them coming from the decks of the L.E.T. It's total carnage here. Everything is swirling, slamming into the boats. On Ray and the horse. He takes it all in. Chaos. Ray? I know. The L.E.T. is swinging wild, pivoting from the bow line. The river water is piling up against the rails. We have to cut it loose. Ray sees a stern line dangling downstream. The horse is dodging pieces of floatsome that are cruising on the building water. You can't be serious. We got one shot at this. Ray, please, we can go back. Go back to what? 
Ray pushes the horse into deeper water. He clutches the reins with all his might. The horse has no footing. He starts to spook. Eleanor and Michael hold on for dear life. The distance between Ray and the stern line goes from feet to inches in seconds. He fumbles for the line in the water. Then he comes up with it. He pulls himself along the line. The horse actually follows. All of Ray's strength in that left hand pulling. Exterior, L-E-T, continuous. Ray reaches the rear transom of the steamer. Eleanor slides off the horse. She pulls Michael to safety. The baby is screaming. Ray pulls himself on board, laying flat on the transom. The horse is thrashing about wildly in the water. Ray, you have to let him go. No. Come on, big fella. You can do this. The horse throws its front hooves on the transom deck. It rests for a moment. Ray grabs the bit and pulls with all of his might. Michael does the same. Push, goddamn you. The horse pushes out with its rear hooves. It slides onto the deck where it falters and half collapses. Ray lets out a huge breath. Eleanor helps him to his feet. What do we do now? Run the engines and pull the bow anchor. We need to stay with the current. Interior furnace room, day. Ray slides down the stairs. There's water on the lower decks, but not much. Ray moves to the furnace. Still glowing, he opens the door and starts shoveling coal inside. He adjusts the damper and closes the door. Exterior, pilot house, day. Eleanor and the two children are inside. Eleanor has the baby stripped down. She bundles her naked in a blanket. Ray enters. Thank God the coal is still dry. Mostly, anyway. Can you outrun this river? Ray looks at her, uncertainty all over his face. There's a barge down river about a mile or so. That thing sure as hell ain't going anywhere. Worst comes to worst, we make our way there and tie off. Wait this thing out. Michael stands in the corner. Ray sees he's crying. Michael, come up here. Look, I have an important job for you, okay? You hold this wheel, keep her nice and straight, yeah? Michael nods. You're the captain while I'm out there, okay? Michael smiles. He nods. Ellie, when I give you the high sign, ease off the engines. I have to take some slack out of that line. Ray exits the wheelhouse. Eleanor watches as he slips across the stern in the pouring rain. He grabs the anchor line, gives her the thumbs up. Ray starts cranking the line from the handle. He motions her forward a little more with his free hand. The steamboat surges forward. Ray keeps cranking. And in an instant, the boat is moving with a life of its own. Eleanor is awash in panic. Michael screams. The boat goes sideways to the current. Not good. Ray has disappeared from the front deck. Ray? She turns to the side window. Raymond! The door to the wheelhouse opens. Ray falls inside. Oh my God. Ray moves Michael out of the way. Did a great job, pal. He spins the wheel and guns up this steam on the engine. Exterior river continuous. The huge ferry boat rights itself against the current. The small rear paddle churns up mud and debris as it chugs forward. Interior wheelhouse, same time. Ray wipes the water from his eyes. He smiles at Eleanor. We made it. His eyes go wide. Eleanor turns to follow his gaze. Beyond the glass, a capsized ferryboat bangs through the current. That's Ed Jessup's boat. Ed Jessup himself is clinging to the hull of the boat. Ray rushes out the door as he passes by. Deck continuous. Jump, Ed. I'll throw you a line. Ed shakes his head. Legs are broken. I'd never make it. And Ray watches as man and boat drift by. Rattled, Ray makes his way back to wheelhouse continuous. Ray takes the wheel. You all say a prayer for old Ed Jessup now. Eleanor and Michael bow their heads. Dissolved to exterior farmhouse, day. The sun is shining. Ray and Eleanor do their best to traverse the mud, which is up to their shins. Michael and the baby are on the horse. The farmhouse comes into view. Everything from the first floor down is gone. Only the framing remains. Parts of the upstairs have collapsed as well. I had a feeling it would look like that. Interior, farmhouse, day. They make their way through the ruins. Ray looks up at the collapsed stairs. Mud covers everything. Eleanor stands at what used to be the windows to the porch. She's staring out at something. 
Ray joins her. He sees the piano across the yard lying against the broken farm fence. We wouldn't have made it, Ray. No, not likely. What do we do now? We rebuild. Fade out. Fade in, interior, kitchen, day. Eleanor loads dishes into the break front. Everything looks brand new. Superimposed title. 1929, 18 months later. She glances out the window. Michael, now five, runs about in the yard with Sally, almost three. Baby Andrew sits imprisoned in a round collapsible playpen. The sound of a piano key snaps Eleanor back to attention. Interior parlor continuous. Eleanor ducks her head into the room. A man named Mr. Cotton, 44, adjusts the board. He plucks a few keys, makes some adjustments. Lucy sits at the piano bench watching him. Well, Mr. Cotton? Shh. The man is a master. Cotton smiles at Lucy. He plinks a few more keys. It's as good as it's going to get, Mrs. Taylor. All in all, I'd say we brought her back to playability. Well, that's something, considering what she'd been through. Cotton closes the lid. Please, feel free, ma'am. Eleanor sits at the keys. She plays softly at first. Scales. Then she goes into Ellington's Black Beauty. Cotton exchanges looks with Lucy. She's good. She's really good. And they both know it. How long you been playing, Mrs. Taylor? But Eleanor is lost. She can't even answer. Cotton looks to Lucy. About two years. What? Yeah, taught her everything she knows. Incredible. On Eleanor, blissing out on the keys. She is truly incredible. Interior bedroom, night. Eleanor sits bolt upright in bed. She's soaked in sweat, desperately trying to catch her breath. Ray opens one eye. You okay? I had a vision. You had a dream? No, this was no dream. Eleanor slides out of bed. She goes to the window and opens it. The breeze blows her hair in nightgown. She breathes in deep. Ray sits up in bed. I have to get up in two hours, Eleanor. She turns on him. People were dying, Ray, in the streets of the city. I, I saw them, bodies on the pavement, like like they fell from the sky. And then I saw children huddled in the dark. Eleanor shudders at the thought. She swallows hard. I passed by them. They, they were dressed in rags, begging for food. Some were freezing. All right. Sounds like a nightmare. She moves to the bed. You don't understand. They were our kids, Ray. They were filthy and miserable, living in a tar paper shack. Was I there? You were. You had your head down. You wouldn't even look at me. Ray sits up at this. He leans into her and puts his head against hers. What do you want me to do about this this vision? Exterior, St. Louis Street, day. Ray hops off a trolley car. He walks across the street. The signage for Chase National Bank looms above him. Ray enters the building. Interior, bank, day. Ray sits across from Philip Deacon. His bald head is red and sweating. Ray is watching him closely, studying him. You certainly have your reasons for withdrawing your money, Mr. Taylor. I do, Mr. Deacon. And how much did you say you'd like to take out? All of it. All of it? Well, well, that is quite a sum now, isn't it? I reckon so. I really wish you'd reconsider, sir. I won't. And from here, I'm stopping at two savings and loan companies and pulling out my money of them as well. Deacon rises from his seat. I'll get the paperwork together. Mr. Taylor, if you don't mind my asking, why? My wife told me to. Your wife? Yep. She had a vision. Deacon sits back down. He leans in close, making sure no one is listening. A vision of what? On Ray, serious as a heart attack. Failure. Interior farmhouse night. Ray tosses the evening edition of the paper on the table. On the headline. Banks shutter doors in wake of market collapse. Ray is seated at the table. Eleanor serves him from a steaming bowl of mashed potatoes. You know, those bankers looked at me like I had three heads, Eleanor. You did the right thing. Yeah, thanks to you. Ray pulls her in tight. She rubs his back. 
Michael makes a volcano with his potatoes. What did Mama do, Papa? She got us out of some very nasty waters, Michael. God bless her for that. You love her. That I do, my boy, that I do. Exterior ferry dock, day. Winter. Ice flows on the mist. Ray pilots the boat to the dock. He looks tired. A man, unshaven in a torn jacket and patched pants, stands at the landing platform. He waves at Ray. This is Tommy Shaw. I'll be damned. What's he want? A few stragglers exit the boat, a truck with some tires. But it's a light load. Ray ties off at the dock, exchanges pleasantries with a few departing passengers. Shaw steps on the boat. Mr. Shaw? Ray? What can I do for you? I want you to buy me out. Really? Why me? You're the only one on the river who still has any money, Ray. Everybody knows that. Business is bad down there, is it? Business? There's no business, Ray. Nobody has a job. No job, no reason to go into Memphis. Yep, that's how it goes. Now, why would I want that? They're good boats, all three of them. Hell, I just refitted boilers before the crash. You don't ever crossing on the Missouri line, Ray. You already got Jessup's ferry up north. That's true. But why would I pay for yours? I don't understand. Does the bank hold a note on your boats? Of course. Well, there you go. Shaw nods his head. You're going to wait for the bank to call their note and then buy my boats from the bank. At a deep discount. The bank doesn't want to be in the ferry business. Ray, I'm desperate here. I got kids. Ray looks out at the muddy water. I got them myself, Tom. Look, I'll make you a deal. Forfeit your business to the bank. I'll buy it from them. He turns to face Shaw. And I'll keep you on as a pilot. Hourly wage. That's my best offer. You do that? We gotta stick together out here, Tom. Besides, nobody knows that part of the river like you do. They shake hands. Exterior farmhouse night. Early evening. The sound of hammers and saws fills the air. Ray, Dave, and Mac are standing in the middle of an open cinder block crawl space foundation. Dave and Ray are fitting floor joists into place while Mac cuts them to size. Eleanor pops her head out the window. Can I get you boys some coffee? Daddy? Coffee would be great, sweetheart. Maybe throw a shot or two in mine. No, you have to work in the morning. Oh, that's right. The whip don't stop a cracking. Eleanor disappears inside. You can go anytime, Mac. No, you fed me. I want to work it off. Your family. You don't have to work it off. You, on the other hand. Dave laughs. So when is baby number four due? Ray stops hammering. What are you talking about? Dave looks around at the small construction site. Adding on and all. I just figured, well, you know. You figured wrong, my friend. No, it's just that. I'm keeping some pretty hard hours now that I have all the crossings. Hell, I'm up at three in the morning. I'm waking her up. Those old floorboards up there start to creaking, and then the little ones are up too. Can't have that. Husband and wife sleeping in separate rooms? No good can come of that, I tell you. I'm not about to go into that with you all. We'll just say we're planning on making quality time and just leave it at that. Fair enough. My wife would give her left arm for me to sleep in a room of my own. I can snore the shingles clean off the roof from what I'm told. And all three of them laugh at this. Interior kitchen, same time. Eleanor watches them laughing as the last of the daylight fades to dark. Interior, new addition, day. The room is all finished. Sunlight streams through the curtains on the window. Eleanor finishes making the bed as Ray paints the last of the door moldings. Sally enters. I want a room like this one. Ray laughs. (laughs) Sorry, kiddo. This one belongs to me. Sally sits on the bed. I'm tired of sharing with Michael. Make yourself useful, Sally. Grab the other side of that sheet. That's it. Pull tight. Sally tucks in her side of the bed. Your bed is all ready for you, Papa. I can't wait. Sally, would you do Mama a favor? 
Sally nods. Go into the living room and play a few keys on the piano. Sally smiles and runs out the door. Close the door behind you, please. Sally shuts the door. Ray and Eleanor pause for a moment. The faintest sound of the piano keys can be heard, barely audible. How about that? I get bored at night from time to time. Thought I might like to practice. Now I know why you had me double up on the insulation in here. Eleanor smiles. Ray grabs her around the waist, pulls her tight. Sneaky girl. What about them? They sleep like the dead. If I close the doors to the parlor, they won't hear a thing. Maybe you'll play for me one day. You know that makes me nervous. Why? I don't know. It it just does. Okay. I'm sorry about all this. The hours. Separate room. I know it's not natural. We all have to make sacrifices. Besides, I'll let you make it up to me. Ray nuzzles Eleanor. He's getting frisky. I'm sure you will. Raymond Taylor, it's daytime and the children are in the house. They can't hear us in here. Ray lays Eleanor on the bed. They kiss passionately. Lock the door. Dissolve to interior parlor night. Eleanor sits at the keys. She plays after you've gone. Moderate tempo, bluesy. She's lost in time. All held up in sustained notes and filled in phrasing. The music swells over a montage of shots. Interior, parlor, continuous. Christmas time, the tree, front and center, is surrounded by presents. Family and guests everywhere. Eleanor opens up a wrap box. Ray smiles from the corner. She pulls out a Kodak brownie, flash attachment and all. Cut to the family around the tree. The image is frozen in black and white. Dissolve to interior, kitchen, night. Looks like a party in full swing. The usual suspects are dancing to the jazzy rag from Eleanor's piano. Drinks abound. Bottles on the table. Ray holds up a paper. The headline, Prohibition Repealed, Flash. The image is frozen, black and white, dissolved to exterior field, day, summertime, food on a blanket. Ray throws a baseball with Michael, about ten now. A pig roasts over its spit nearby. Mac and Dave in straw boat hats throw horseshoes in the background. The image is frozen in black and white, dissolved to exterior front porch, night, early evening. Fireflies sparkle everywhere. The sky is streaked in purple. Ray sits on the porch playing cards with Mac and Dave and Fuzzy. Eleanor and the other ladies are on the swing laughing. We're watching them age beautifully. The image is frozen in black and white. Dissolved to exterior trail, day. Eleanor and Sally ride on horseback. Sally's about ten now. Eleanor has her hair in a long braid, a little gray in the front. The river stretches out beyond them. The image is frozen in black and white. Dissolved to interior parlor, day. Everyone is joined together now. Suits and ties. The infant, Eli, is now thirteen. Eleanor hangs a small cross around his neck. She kisses him on the cheek. The image is frozen in black and white. Dissolved to exterior driveway, day. Ray stands in front of a 1939 Buick Roadmaster. Beautiful, gleaming in the sun. He beams from ear to ear. His hair is gray and thinning. The image is frozen in black and white. Dissolved to interior, kitchen, night. Eleanor holds up a newspaper. Her hair is down. Streaked in gray. She is smiling. The paper is a full photo of FDR. Headline. FDR re-elected for third term. The image is frozen in black and white. Dissolved to a parallel image of another newspaper. Headline, Nation Goes to War. Pull back to reveal a black and white image of Ray reading the paper on the steps of the front porch. Dissolved to exterior yard, day. A black and white image of Michael, now 18, standing beside Eleanor. He's dressed in his army-issue brown uniform, duffel bag in his other hand. Eleanor has both hands around his waist. Her head is slightly down. Gradually, this picture comes to life, and the music goes under. Eleanor hugs Michael tight. Ray steps up, camera in hand. He shakes Michael's hand. You do us proud, son. I will, Pop. Be careful. Michael nods. Eleanor is crying. A bus motor is heard off screen. Michael looks down the long drive. The bus pulls to a stop. Gotta go, Ma. 
Eleanor nods, overcome. She hugs him one last time. I love you. I love you, too. Michael pulls away. Sally hugs him hard. You be careful. I will. Michael looks over at Eli. Eli salutes him. Michael returns the salute. Eli is crying. Michael turns. They all watch as he walks down the drive toward the waiting bus. The final notes ring out. Interior parlor, day. Beneath Eleanor's fingers, Cotton stands left of the piano. That middle E is still off. I know it. Cotton lifts the lid. We can only do so much. Of course. Any word from your boy, Mrs. Taylor? No. Last we heard, he was somewhere between France and Belgium, chasing Nazis. I prayed for him in church yesterday, him and all the others. I appreciate that, Mr. Cotton. Speaking of church, I haven't seen Lucy in a couple of weeks. Her replacement on the organ was god-awful. Yes, ma'am, I know it. Miss Lucy, she's, uh, not in such a good way. What do you mean? She may not have a lot of time left. What? I had no idea. She's home, resting. I'm sure she'd welcome a visit. Eleanor nods, a little unsure. Of course. You know, Mrs. Taylor, a lot of folks thought you might step in for her. Me? That's right. Oh, I I couldn't. You're very good. I'm sure you know that. Best I've heard, and I've heard all the best. You're being kind. Music is such a big part of our parish. You know that. Miss Lucy brought her best every Sunday in the name of the Lord. We sure could use your hands. I don't know. I've never played in public before. Will you do me a favor? Just consider it. Eleanor nods. Interior, Lucy's house, bedroom, day. A young woman opens the door. Lucy is in bed. She's coughing, struggling to make it stop. She waves the young woman in. Mama, there's a lady here to see you. Eleanor appears behind the slightly open door. Miss <laughs> Eleanor. Thank you, dear. The girl leaves. Lucy waves Eleanor in. Eleanor enters, unsure of herself. She's holding a basket, muffins and jam. Come on, sit with me a while. Eleanor sits. I brought you some muffins. Well, that's kind of you. I, I wish I had more of an appetite. Mr. Cotton told me about your condition. Thought I might drop by. Will you be all right? No. Doctor says my lungs are all sticky. Too much tobacco, I guess. Lucy lights up a cigarette. Oh, no, you shouldn't do that. It doesn't matter now. Might as well enjoy it while I still can. So you've been talking to Mr. Cotton? He came out to tune the piano. But that middle E is still off. Eleanor laughs. It is. He told me the folks at church would like me to take over for you. I want you to take over for me. Loretta Marple is sitting in your place now. I heard. Loretta Marple. She couldn't carry a tune if it had handles on it. I'd be honored to do it. For you. Don't do it for me. You do it for God. I only coaxed out of you what God gave you in the first place. Do you understand? Eleanor nods. What you do with it is your gift back to God. But I've never played in front of anyone before. Lucy waves her off. She starts to cough. (coughs) You think (coughs) about what people think about you? About what comes off your fingers? Honey, you ain't playing to their minds. You're playing to their souls. To your own soul. That's what matters to them. (coughs) That's what they feel. And you do it as well as anyone I've ever seen. Maybe better. You owe it to the world to let them hear you play. You owe it to yourself. It's who you are. Eleanor nods. She leans in and hugs Lucy. I'll do my best. Make every note count. Interior church day. Eleanor sits at the piano. She plays How Great Thou Art, slow and bright, her eyes closed, feeling every note. We pull back from her face to see an open casket at the altar. Lucy is lying in it. 
peaceful and serene in eternal sleep. Exterior cemetery day. The mourners are filing away from the casket draped in flowers. Eleanor stands alone. Mr. Cotton approaches her. That was beautiful, Mrs. Taylor. You honored her. You truly did. Thank you, Mr. Cotton. It was almost like I could feel her inside of me. Well, the good Lord works in mysterious ways. That he does. Mrs. Taylor, those ladies over there? Eleanor follows Cotton's eyeline. She sees Doris, Jeanette, and Millie standing beside a parked car. What about them? Yes, ma'am. They'd like a word with you before you leave. Parking lane, continuous. Eleanor approaches the women. They exchange hellos. You were incredible in there. Thank you. Don't know if Lucy told you or not, but we play every Friday night in a small club outside Carrotsville. No, she never mentioned that. We'd like you to take her spot now she's gone. It's just one night a week. Oh, I, I, I couldn't do that. I'm sorry. I have a husband and, and children. What would people think? No disrespect or nothing, but your husband's never home and your children's are all about full grown. Anger flushes Eleanor's face. Miss Lucy was a bit of a talker from time to time. Come on, honey. Join the group. No, surely there are women better than me. Honey, there's no one better than you. Honey, there's no one better than you. Look, we've all been there already. We made our homes, raised our kids, did our duties as wives and mothers. But there's a whole world out there beyond the walls of that farmhouse. And there's magic in those fingers of yours. I can't. I'm sorry. Maybe you just try it once. Just once. If it's not for you, we'll respect that. Eleanor considers it. Doris holds out a scrap of paper. This is where we'll be come Friday at 10. If you show, we play. And that's all there is to it. Eleanor takes the scrap of paper. She nods. The ladies slip into their car. Interior kitchen night. Eleanor serves Ray a plate of meatloaf and mashed potatoes. Sally studies from a textbook at the table. Eli fidgets with his food. Sally, no books at the table. I've told you before. But I have to study, Mama. Sally? I think we can set aside our social graces at exam time. Sally smiles at her father. Eleanor frowns at him. Eli, stop playing. We haven't even said grace yet. Ray imitates his wife's sternness. Eli laughs. He eats. You're a little on edge tonight. Just worried. We haven't heard from Michael in a while. Sometimes no news is good news. Eleanor sits. She says grace. Ray digs in. I spoke with Mama today. Daddy's put a card game together tonight over at Fuzzy's place if you want to join in. Oh? Who's he giving away this time? Your mother? Raymond Taylor. That's not even funny. Ray laughs. Sally tries not to. What does that mean? Nothing. Your father has no business playing cards for money. Not in his lifetime. Eleanor shrugs. I thought it might be fun for you. You never get together with friends anymore. I'm running four businesses, Eleanor. Time is a luxury I don't have. You know that. I know. Still, there's more to life than work. Well, it's short notice anyways. Next time, I'll think about it, but I need to know more in advance. I have to be up in Cairo tomorrow by 6. It means I have to leave here by 4.30. In the morning? Of course, in the morning. Don't you ever wonder why you never see me before five in the afternoon? Someday I want to come with you. All right. Next time I go, you come along. I love the company. Eli beams. You better get to bed early, then. It's a long ride in the dark. Right after dessert, I'm gone. My head can't wait to hit that pillow. Eleanor watches him as he eats. Interior bedroom night. Sally lays in bed studying. In the hallway beyond, Eleanor closes Eli's door. Lights out, Sally. It's nine o'clock. Mother, I'm 15 years old. Yes, and it's time for you to go to bed. Sally shuts the book. Eleanor enters and kisses her cheek. I'm very proud of you 
for all your hard work. You're becoming an incredible young woman. I just want to be somebody. Eleanor stands upright. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Oh, forget it. No, tell me what you meant. I see you every day doing the same thing. The laundry, the cooking, the cleaning. Did you ever want to be something more, Mama? Something special? Eleanor is stunned by the question. I never gave it much thought. I find that hard to believe. Eleanor kisses her again. Good night. Night. Eleanor shuts out the lamp. She walks to the door. She closes it on Sally's room. Interior stable night. Eleanor leads the old horse out of the stall. He whinnies a little. Shh. No noise. Understand? Exterior lane. Night. Eleanor looks up at her darkened house. She maneuvers the horse to the grass area beside the lane. She gives him a soft kick in the sides. Exterior, Smiley's Roadhouse, night. Eleanor appears at the edges of the parking lot, riding astride the horse. The parking lot is packed with cars, most of them junkers. A group of men stand outside, smoking, beer bottles in hand. They stare at her, murmurs and laughters from the men as they turn their backs on Eleanor and the horse. Eleanor turns the horse around to leave. She sees Doris stepping out of the back of a car. A man sits in the back seat. Eleanor dismounts as Doris walks towards her. I prayed to the good Lord that you would show. I can't stay here, Doris. This is not for me. What? Are you afraid of those fools? Honey, they're in charge of keeping people out. People who get unruly. You get me? Eleanor nods. Now come on. Hitch this beast up to a fence post and get on in there. Eleanor slides off the horse. I'm frightened. That's because you know you're about to have the time of your life. (sighs) You might be right. Fear and thrill feel exactly the same. There's no telling them apart. Interior, Smiley's Roadhouse, night. Millie and Jeanette stand in the wings to the stage. Music is up on the jukebox and everyone is dancing. Benny Goodman, swinging jazz. Doris approaches with Eleanor. We got our keys. The other ladies welcome Eleanor. Hello, Smiley. Smiley, late 50s, steps from the shadow. He's a big, bald man with a perfectly trimmed, super thin mustache. He gives Doris a hug. It's a good crowd, ladies. Knock their socks off. Eleanor peers out at the room and everything goes silent for her. The couple's dancing in slow motion, cigarette smoke swirling into the amber-lit atmosphere. Doris talking behind the curtain, Jeanette and Millie laughing, swigging from a bottle. They offer it to Eleanor. She waves it off. All the faces out there, laughing, singing, dancing, sweating. On Eleanor. All of these sounds coming back up, rising, melding together, the room starting to swirl like a buzzy, drunken carnival. Cut to exterior ferry boat day, flashback, the boat spinning on the single bow line, rocking, on Eleanor taking it all in, Ray fighting his way to the line, the horse slipping across the deck, Michael clinging to the rail, Sally in her arms. Cut to interior, Smiley's roadhouse, continuous, Eleanor doubles over, she drops to one knee. I think I'm going to be sick. The ladies exchange glances, Doris comforts her. That's just nerves, honey. It'll pass soon as you start to play. Doris shakes a cigarette out of a pack. She pushes it in Eleanor's direction. No, thank you. I I don't smoke. Try it. They calm you down. Eleanor looks to the others. They nod in agreement. She takes the cigarette. Doris lights it. Eleanor puts it to her lips, shaking. Eleanor breathes in the smoke. She coughs, out of control. A spotlight hits the stage. Smiley steps to the mic. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the blue pearls. We're on, girls. Eleanor is still coughing. Doris takes the cigarette from her hands, but Eleanor pulls it back. She takes another drag and coughs some more. She straightens her dress and follows the others on stage. The crowd is clapping, whistling, and then Eleanor walks out, and it all dies down. Millie takes up the bass. Jeanette sits at the drums. Doris picks up the coronet, and Eleanor sits at the piano. 
Ain't misbehaving, girls. You know that one? Eleanor nods. She starts to play, coming in low on the piano. The bass comes in after. Jeanette hits the snare and bass drum softly, and Doris enters with the lead. And they sound good together. Smiley nods, his head bobbing in time. Eleanor looks out at that crowd. All eyes are on her, and the heads, the hands and feet, are all starting to pick up the groove. Eleanor settles in. She focuses on the keys. Then she closes her eyes and plays it blind. Dissolve to... Same scene later. The place is jumping. These girls can really swing. They're midway through Basie's one o'clock jump. People are dancing on the tables. Men are swinging their ladies all over the floor. Eleanor is flying over the piano lead. Doris has switched to sax and the groove is on. Eleanor has never looked so lost or so happy. This is truly life on the other side. Exterior farmhouse night. Eleanor dismounts the horse and leads him inside. Interior farmhouse bedroom night. Eleanor slips out of her dress. She opens the window and hangs it on the roof. She waves the bar smell out in the cool evening air. She reaches over to her makeup table and picks up a bottle of perfume. She spritzes the air. She slides into bed and stares at the ceiling. Beneath the covers, her feet still tap to the beat in her head. Interior kitchen day. Morning. Eleanor is slogging through her breakfast routine. She drops a bowl of oatmeal in front of Eli. He looks shocked. Sally enters. She sits at the table. Notices her mother's condition. Eleanor drops a bowl in front of Sally. She pours milk into a pitcher. It spills on the table. She doesn't even notice. Mama, you okay? Mmm, I'm fine, dear. I'm just a little tired. Interior market day. Eleanor, Eleanor has a basket full of items. She sees the packs of cigarettes all lined up. She takes a pack. Cut to the register moments later. Eleanor places her goods on the counter. Bernie, the owner, rings them up. Afternoon, Eleanor. Hello, Bernie. He gets to the cigarettes, holds them up. Did Ray take up smoking? Eleanor stares at him. She shakes her head. Others in line look on. No, he, he didn't. Bernie is puzzled. Eleanor looks away. He drops his head, rings them up, puts them in the sack. Four ninety-five. Eleanor pays him. She takes her sack and exits. Interior, Smiley's Roadhouse, night. More of the same. Eleanor soloing on a slow number. Smoke hangs in the air. A cigarette burns in an ashtray beside the keys. The music fades, switching over to gospel. Interior church, day. Eleanor glides across the organ, playing it straight now. The choir joins in on Take My Hand, Precious Lord, but it's the organist that everyone is watching. Interior, Smiley's Roadhouse, night. Doris is at the mic. She's singing Summertime. Eleanor is actually sweating. A large man is watching them from a side table. Smiley is next to him. Eleanor watches as Smiley whispers in his ear. The man pulls his gold watch from the pocket of his vest. He checks the time. This man is Jimmy Coleman. He takes a sip of his whiskey and leans in close. He focuses on Eleanor. Cut to. Same scene, another evening. The music is in full swing. People are dancing. A man runs into the stage area. He shoves a newspaper in Smiley's hands. Smiley's eyes scan the page. Stop. Stop the music. Eleanor lays off the keys. Doris drops the coronet from her lips. The room goes silent. Ladies and gentlemen. He holds up the paper. Headline. War in Europe is over. Germany surrenders. The war is over. A stunned silence hangs in the air. Eleanor's mouth drops open. She rises from the bench, and she steps to the microphone. Praise be to God, our boys are coming home. And the place goes crazy. Drinks on the house. The place explodes with laughter and cheering. Eleanor leans on Doris. She starts to cry. Interior pickup truck, night. Early morning. Ray fires up the 1944. He pulls on the lights and wheels it around in front of the stable. The headlights illuminate the long drive. Ray hits the gas. Something clanks beneath the front wheel of the truck. Whatever it is, it bounces up and hits the undercarriage. What the hell was that? 
Exterior driveway continuous. Ray steps out of the truck. He crosses to the other side, squats down beside the passenger door. He can barely see anything. He gropes around in the gravel, lays his shoulder to the ground to reach further, and then he has it. Ray pulls a metal object from beneath the truck, a stirrup to a saddle. Interior stable continuous. Ray enters and pulls the chain on the overhead light. He pushes open the door to the tack room. A worn saddle sits on the bench. Ray lifts it. He sees it only has one stirrup. Ray exits the tack room. He moves to the stall. The horse cranes its head over the Dutch door to see Ray. Ray strokes the horse's neck. Hot and wet. Who's been riding you, pal? Exterior driveway continuous. The truck is still parked where it was. Ray steps into the light of the headlamps. He walks to the side of the drive, out in front of the truck. He sees the tracks in the mud going to and fro, plain as day. What in the hell is going on here? Interior, Smiley's Roadhouse, night. An all-male ensemble has the stage. Eleanor and the girls stand off to the side, waiting their turn. They're all smoking. Even Eleanor has a drink in her hand. Smiley approaches them. Ladies? Hello, Smiley. Word's getting out there that your act really swings. Is that right? Mm-hmm. These folks in here, they ain't here for the two-bit act on stage right now. They're here to see you. Eleanor gulps down her drink. Glad we can bring them for you, Smiley. Maybe you wouldn't mind paying us in something more than watered-down drink. <laughs> Maybe I can offer you something better. Jimmy Coleman sits at a side table. Another man takes the seat next to him. A waitress drops two drinks at the table. You see that fella sitting down now? Any of you know who that is? No. That there's Jimmy Coleman. He made his bones with Harry Pace at Black Swan Records back in the day. Now he roams the country looking for talent for Columbia. He and I go back to the Stone Age. Smiley turns to face the women. He saw you all play a few weeks back, and he's here for another listen. This is your night, ladies. Smiley starts to leave the wings. Eleanor grabs him by the arm. Who's the gentleman next to him? Don't you know? Eleanor shakes her head. You will. The stage, later. The girls are midway through their set. Again, the crowd is in full swing. On Coleman and the man, both digging the music in a big way. Exterior, Smiley's Roadhouse, night. A bus pulls up to the lot. A few men and women exit the bus and rush to the door. The music inside seeps through the walls. A group of four soldiers in uniform exit the bus, two in front and two in back. You guys had better be right about this. We are about to see the greatest jazz pianist who ever lived. Lover boy back there says this place is practically in his backyard. The soldier pulls away from his buddy. Ain't that right, Taylor? Michael is behind the two men, duffel bag in hand. That's right. His jacket is decked out with medals and badges, and he wears the stripes of a first lieutenant. He walks with a slight limp. Fellas, we are about to see a star. You'd better be right. Can't believe I'm missing my first home-cooked meal to spend more time with you knuckleheads. They enter the roadhouse as one. Interior, Smiley's Roadhouse, continuous. The girls finish their song. The place erupts in applause as the soldiers enter. Everyone is on their feet. The soldiers strain for a glimpse. Exterior, Smiley's Roadhouse, dirt trail, same time. Ray appears from the darkness. The music and the neon are his beacon as he lumbers through the wet grass path. Off screen, a horse lets out a short snort, followed by a low whinny. Ray turns to see Slim saddled and tethered to a hitching post. Horse and man eye one another. Ray turns and heads for the roadhouse. Interior roadhouse night. The applause and the cheering continue. The soldiers watch as the man next to Jimmy Coleman rises. A hush falls over the crowd as he makes his way to the stage. Eleanor watches as he nears. On Michael, straining to see, his view obscured by heads. Is that him? On the stage, the man shakes Doris's hand, gives her a small hug. He has an amiable face, sweet, kind. He reaches out to Jeanette and Millie, touches hands. Then he makes his way to Eleanor. 
He takes Eleanor by the hand. Cut to club entrance. Same time. Ray steps from the dark alcove, his hulking figure filling the frame. He's seething. He steps into the shadows beside the door and watches his wife on stage. Cut to the man and Eleanor still clutching hands. You are incredible. Thank you. I'm Eleanor. Eleanor Taylor. Pleased to meet you, Eleanor. I'm Art Tatum. Eleanor's mouth falls open. Do you mind if I sat in with you? It would be an honor, Mr. Tatum. Call me Art. Okay. Art? You ladies know yesterdays? You bet. Doris counts off the time and they start to play, on Eleanor following along with Tatum like they share the same soul. In the back, Michael cranes his head to see. He pushes through the crowd. You were right, Taylor. Goddamn Art Tatum himself. But Michael is trying to get a better look. His face goes from blissful wonder to one of pure bewilderment. Because the woman playing stride alongside the greatest jazz pianist on earth is his mother. Blissing out, smoke curling around her, hair down and out in a low bow. What in hell's bells? Michael is just stunned. Something he's never seen in his own mother before. Her deepest secret right there. He turns and fights his way out of the bar. Ray takes his eyes from the stage as Michael passes him. Michael. But the music is too loud. Exterior, Smiley's Roadhouse, continuous. Michael exits. He stands in the parking lot, totally confused. Ray exits the bar. Hey. Michael turns around. He locks eyes with his father. Ray descends the steps, and Michael runs to him, the big man scooping the soldier into his arms. I missed you, boy. Michael is crying. He manages a nod against his father's chest before pulling back. What is going on here, Pop? I don't know. I followed the tracks of old Miss Slim over there. I'm about as confused as you are. Is that really my mom up there on that stage? I can't. I just can't. Ray throws his arms around him. Come on. We can talk about it on the walk home. Let her have her moment in there. They walk together to the path. I don't know what troubles me most. Her playing in a roadhouse? Are you coming home from the war and stopping there first? Michael laughs. The fellas heard Art Tatum was going to be there. There was no way they were letting me go home first. The two men disappear into the darkness of the wooded path. Exterior Smiley's Roadhouse night. The last of the late-night patrons stumble out, drunk, clinging to one another. Cars throw dust into the night sky as they leave the lot. Interior Smiley's Roadhouse, continuous. Eleanor sits with Tatum and the girls, sharing a smoke and a drink. Where in the world did you learn to play like that? Miss Lucy taught me how to read, how to play. Beyond that... It was in God's hands. Well, little lady, you have the makings of a real star. The rest of the girls look on, a little jealous. He picks up on it. All of you do. You ladies are really quite the foursome. Jimmy Coleman steps up to the stage. I couldn't agree more. I'd like to record you, all of you. Shock registers over the faces of all of them. I'm expecting all of you at our Chicago studio on Monday. This Monday? That's right. Eleanor swallows hard. Doris and the girls can hardly contain themselves. Exterior, Smiley's Roadhouse, night. Eleanor brings the horse around as the girls get into their car. Doris takes some money from Smiley and walks to the car. Eleanor intercepts her. Doris, I, I can't go to Chicago. You have to go. It's our big shot. But I have a family, a house to take care of. Let's be straight here, Eleanor. They're all coming out here to see you every Friday night. We all know it. Now, I just talked to Smiley. Mr. Coleman has a car service picking us up after church services on Sunday. My husband doesn't even know I do this. Maybe it's time he found out, Eleanor. All of our dreams are riding on you, girl. We can't do this without you. Doris slips behind the wheel. Interior, farmhouse, bedroom, night. Eleanor steps over the squeaky floorboards as she navigates the room. She enters the bedroom. She opens the window and slips out of her dress. She slides it out onto the roof. 
Interior, kitchen, day. Morning, clatter of pans off screen. Sally's at the table. Eli slumps into his seat, tired. Interior, hallway, same time. Eleanor comes down the steps. She straightens her dress. She hears the commotion coming from the kitchen. She cranes her head as she walks through the hall. Kitchen, continuous. Ray is at the stove, doing his best to cook eggs. Eleanor enters. What in the world is going on here? Ray, what are you doing home? I took a sick day. He shovels very browned eggs onto the kids' plates. You've never taken a sick day. Sometimes life is just full of surprises. They exchange looks. I mean, who knew you were such a late sleeper? Eleanor sits. Only this morning, I, I wasn't feeling well. Really? Kids tell me this is how it is every Saturday. She's in trouble. She can feel it. Okay, you got me. I like to sleep in on Saturdays. Let me have it. Ray leans in close to her. He dumps some eggs on her plate, pours coffee into her cup. Oh, we're just warming up with surprises for today. He's over her shoulder, kind of menacing. She turns and looks up at him. Ray moves out of the way to reveal Michael standing in the doorway behind him. Eleanor leaps from her seat. The eggs and the coffee go everywhere. Michael! She throws her arms around his neck, hugs him tight. I can't believe it's really you. My darling boy, God brought you back to me. She pulls away to look at him. Tears are streaming down her face. Look at you. Just look at you. It's good to be home, Mama. Well, this calls for a party. Isn't that right, Ray? Sure does. Food, beer, music. Maybe you know some friends. Friends for what? For music. They could come and play. Maybe a band of some sort. Eleanor smiles nervously. She goes to the sink and starts scrubbing the cast iron pan. Ray, I have no idea what you're talking about. Ray has his back to the counter beside the sink. He leans back in an effort to meet her gaze. He's smiling, but he's serious. Don't you? Eleanor is suddenly annoyed by this. She drops the pan in the sink. I'm not feeling so well again. All this excitement has made me dizzy. I think I'll go lie down. You do that. Interior bedroom day. Eleanor is on the bed. She's staring out the window. In the distance, a train lets out a long wail. The curtains blow in the morning breeze. Ray pokes his head in the door. Hey. Eleanor doesn't even look at him. You want to talk? No. Ray enters the room. Look, if there's something that I need to know about... The silence hangs there, huge, unbreakable. He watches as Eleanor closes her eyes tight, holding back tears. It's my time, Ray. Ray looks down, embarrassed. Right. Well, then, I'll leave you to your rest. Ray turns and walks out. He takes one last look at his wife, crying on the bed, her body shaking. He shuts the door. It's not what I meant. Exterior, front porch, day. Eleanor sits on the swing. Michael exits the house. She watches as he stares at the horse in the pasture. Must feel nice to be home. Michael nods. It does. Felt good to sleep on a mattress for a change. What was it like? Over there, I mean. He turns to her. Like nothing you'd ever want to know about, or I'd want to tell you. He sits on the swing next to her. I saw trees explode in the Ardan forest. They actually exploded into millions of tiny little toothpicks. Of all the things I saw over there, I think that's the one thing I'll remember the most. All those little tiny toothpicks raining down on me. My lord. You know what saved us, Mama? Music. Michael nods. Whenever we got a break from shooting, there was music. Benny Goodman, Glenn Miller, Artie Shaw. It always brought us back around. And the French... They love their American jazz. They bleed jazz. Sidney Bechet, Coleman Hawkins, Fletcher Henderson, Armstrong. It's all we ever heard when we went up for R&R. &R. Eleanor rises. She moves to the porch rail. 
Is that so? Yep. I got quite the musical education over there. Michael rises. He goes to the rail and side saddles it. You can imagine my surprise, my shock, to come home from there and on my first night in town stumble across my mother going toe-to-toe on the piano with the great Art Tatum. Eleanor's eyes go wide. She turns to face Michael. I was there last night. I saw you. You told your father, didn't you? No. I... I have so many questions. I don't even know where to begin. Michael, it's just something I do. I've been playing there for a while now. And Papa doesn't know? I think he might. He he was acting strange this morning. I don't know what to do. About what? Your secret's safe with me. They want me to record. This week, in Chicago, maybe even tour. Wow. He won't go in for that. I know. Nor should he. I'm his wife. And he's a good man. He's a great man. Yes. Michael pivots. He rests his arms against the rail. Hard choices, Mama. I don't know. I've seen firsthand how short life can be. Second chances don't come easy. Eleanor sighs. She leans on her son. I know. Interior church, day, Sunday service. The place is packed. Eleanor is at the organ. In the pews, all of the Taylor children sit together. Eleanor puts the finishing touches on the current hymn. Ray enters the church. Eleanor sees him ducking into the pew. Shock spreads across her face as she takes in his suit and tie. Cut to same scene later. The preacher is going on about Jesus and the story of the talents. Eleanor stands to the side. She looks out at the congregation. She sees Ray and the kids smiling, laughing at what the preacher is saying, all of them together. The choir starts to sing. Everyone rises, starts to clap and sing along. Huge smiles. Ray sees her looking at him. He nods, he knows, and right there, Eleanor knows. Exterior church grounds, day. Tables of food and coffee are set up. Ray sips at a cup. Powdered sugar from a donut sprinkles onto his blue suit. Sally wipes it off. Thank you. Eleanor exits the church. She crosses to Ray and the kids. Since when do you come to church? Since I hired someone else to run this ferry on Sunday. (laughs) Well, I don't want to say where, but someplace hot hath frozen over. The kids laugh. Ray smiles. I figure it's about time I was with my family a little more often. Eleanor nods. Over Ray's shoulder, a long black car waits. Jeanette and Millie are already in the back seat. Doris stands at the open rear door. I'll be right back. On the car, Doris waits as Eleanor approaches. Eleanor smiles. She peeks into the back seat and gives the girls a little wave. Her eyes meet Doris's. It's pure heartbreak between them. Doris, I'm so sorry. I know. Don't ever be sorry for doing the right thing. What will you do? Mr. Coleman, he's disappointed, you know, but he says we'll use a studio musician for now. And after? Oh, we'll find us another girl. Doris takes Eleanor's hand. But we'll never find us another one like you. I want you to remember something, Eleanor Taylor. What's that? You're better than good on those keys. You're great. God gave you something very special. Don't ever forget that. I won't. Doris slides into the back seat. They all wave at Eleanor. The driver starts the car. Don't stop playing. Eleanor nods. The car pulls away. Ray steps up to Eleanor. They watch the car hit the street. Friends of yours? Just some ladies I know. Where are they headed? Hold on Eleanor's face as Ray's question hangs in the air. Up. Ray puts his hand on Eleanor's shoulder. She reaches up and touches it. You okay? Eleanor smiles, tears in her eyes. Yeah. I'm okay. They watch as the car disappears into a point on the horizon. Interior record store day. 
Eleanor enters the store. Eli, now 22, follows her in. Eli, I'm going to have a look over here for a minute. Okay, Mom. Two salesmen sit behind a counter. Young kids, Eli's age. Eleanor approaches them. Excuse me, where can I find the race records? Oh, they don't call them race records anymore, ma'am. They're called rhythm and blues. Oh, I had no idea. Come on, I'll show you. Salesman 1 leads Eleanor through the stacks. Salesman 2 beckons Eli with his finger. Eli walks up to the counter. Want to hear something that'll really knock your socks off? Sure. Salesman 2 slides a record out of a sleeve. He places it on the turntable and starts it spinning. Salesman 1 stops at a short bin of records. Looking for something in particular? I don't know. They, they used to be called the Blue Pearls. Oh, they're in jazz. Follow me. He leads her around the aisle. He pulls away some albums in the B section. Eleanor watches as they flip by. And there they are. Here you go. Great trio. Local ladies, from what I understand. Yes. The salesman hands Eleanor an album cover. She stares at it. Doris with her coronet, Jeanette on the drums, and Millie with the stand-up bass. No fourth. The salesman leaves her with the stack. She flips through it. Lots of Blue Pearl albums, all showing the trio. Up front, the needle drops. Chuck Berry's Maybelline blares out. That guitar, that beat. Eleanor carries a handful of albums to the front of the store. She's stunned at the sound of it. What in the world is that? I don't know, but I love it. Eleanor listens to the beat. That's great, isn't it? Eleanor drops the records on the counter. She pulls out her purse. It's tune-out jump blues piano on an electric guitar, and that's all it is. She watches Eli tapping his foot and grinning like a fool. We'll take one. Interior parlor night. Eleanor plays the blue pearls on her phonograph. She opens the front window. She breathes in the night's breeze. She sits at the piano listening. Gradually, she picks up the beat and starts to fill in where the piano should be. Music up. Interior farmhouse day. The house is crowded with relatives, especially kids. Michael has his arm around his wife. His children, Joy, six, and David, four, are at the table eating pie. Ray, his weather-hardened face and hands worn and gray, sits across from them laughing, a beer in his hand. Three children run around Sally. She has a baby in her arms, bouncing him as she laughs. Eli enters and hangs his cardinal's cap on the coat tree. He's a rugged man like his father, with a smile to match. His wife and three kids are already there. Interior, upstairs bathroom, same time. Eleanor sits by the open window. She smokes a cigarette, listening to the laughter and commotion downstairs. She stares out at the river valley in the distance, at the fifty years of trees in between that were once mowed down by the surging water. She blows the smoke out the window. A knock at the door. Grandma? Eleanor jumps off the seat. She throws the cigarette out the window. She reaches for a can of air freshener, one of many. She sprays the air. Yes, dear? Are you coming down soon? I'll be right there. Interior kitchen day. Eleanor pulls a huge turkey from the oven. The men surround her like vultures as she swats them away. Joy watches from the parlor. David is next to her. Grandma always has gum in her purse. Joy flips open the latch of Eleanor's bag. Sure enough, a pack of Wrigley's right on top. They each snitch a piece. Joy goes to close the bag. She sees a rolled up bunch of tissues. She unravels them carefully. Four cigarettes sit inside the paper. Joy rolls them back up and closes the purse. Exterior, ferry boat day. The ferry, now a state-of-the-art boat, idles in the middle of the river. A band plays in the distance. Ray, late 70s now, stands on the deck with Michael and Eli. They're watching something, something above them. It's a bridge. Across the river, it's crowded with people. Somewhere up there, some blowhard politician cuts a ribbon, and the first car drives across the river. The crowd applauds. The band plays on. Well, that's it for us. Michael and Eli nod in agreement. They watch as cars and trucks pour across the bridge. Can't complain. 
We had ourselves one hell of a good run. Dissolved to interior hospital room, day. Ray is in the bed. He's hooked up to more tubes and lines than an astronaut. Sally and some of her kids move tables and chairs around. Michael pushes the extra bed out of the room. A nurse enters. What are you people doing? Just relax. You can't... Please. This is important. The bed is rolled into the hallway. Off screen, it sounds like a truck is rolling in. Eli pushes an upright piano into the room. This is ridiculous. We have other patients who... Look, maybe you should just leave. I'm calling the chief of staff. Call whoever you need to call. The nurse leaves. One of Eli's boys carries in a bench. Ray watches it all through his dying eyes. His breathing is labored. Everyone is quiet. Eleanor enters, flowers in hand. What is this? No one says a word. Someone answer me. Quiet. Play for me. Eleanor turns to face him. His words come in broken pauses, each one marked with a slow, struggled wheeze. What? Play for me. Just once. Eleanor looks around the room. Everyone bows their head. Eleanor lays the flowers on the bed. She sits at the bench. What would you like to hear? Whatever you play best. Eleanor hesitates at first. Then she starts to play the opening bars of After You've Gone. Slow and soulful. It's incredible. Ray smiles big. Eleanor sees it. And for the first time, she starts to sing. Now won't you listen, honey, while I say, How could you tell me that you're going away? Don't say that we must part. Don't break your baby's heart. You know I've loved you for these many years, loved you night and day. Oh, honey baby, can't you see my tears? Tears are streaming down Ray's face, and still he's smiling that big warm grin. Listen while I say, after you've gone and left me crying, after you've gone there's no denying, you'll feel blue, you'll feel sad, you'll miss the dearest pal you've ever had. The voice of Bessie Smith takes over for Eleanor, slowly fading as we dissolve to... Same scene later. The room is empty. The piano gone. Eleanor lays on the bed with Ray. She wraps her arms around him. The soft ping of the life monitor punctuating the beats of the rest of the song as it dies away underneath. Hard to believe that was the first time you ever saw me play. Ray holds up a finger. Once. I saw you. Once. You did? Ray nods. More with his eyes than with his head. In the the roadhouse. What? You sure did love your music. Eleanor stares deep into his gray eyes, the eyes that are fighting to stay here for one more moment. I did. But I loved you more. I'm glad. Me too. They are inches apart. There's no one else in this world. What a hand. I was dealt. Eleanor nods. Me too. She lays her head on his chest. Dissolved to, same scene, moments later, both Ray and Eleanor, silent, in love's great pose. The end.